98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Pierre Tremblay. The top story is police fire three live rounds at a suspected thief in Kwai Chung. Officers seize suspected Molotov cocktails from the Chinese university and the government is urged not to postpone the district council elections. The police say an officer opened fire three times in the early hours of today at a man who had tried to evade arrest in Kwai Chung. They said the 27-year-old man was trying to escape by driving a car at high speed after officers found him and another man trying to steal a car number plate. The force added that the man had even tried to drive straight at the officer who had to fire three live rounds to stop him. It said they found knives, drugs, tools that can be used for burglaries and two illegal number plates in his car afterwards. Police said the man suffered injuries to his arm and ribs but was conscious when he was sent to hospital. Overnight, there have been more clashes in Mongkok and the Cross Harbour Tunnel, as Sean Kennedy reports. Protesters played cat and mouse with police in Mongkok after riot police used tear gas on demonstrators who were setting up barricades at the junction of Shantung Street and Nathan Road. The protesters fled down side streets but then returned to set the barricades alight. In another incident, protesters at the Polytechnic University again vandalised toll booths of the Cross Harbour Tunnel. Police also say they arrested two German students for unlawful assembly on Thursday. They said the students were aged 22 and 23 but gave no further details. Major Dutch universities have urged their students in Hong Kong to return home. Leading colleges in Utrecht, Amsterdam, Leiden, Delft, Rotterdam and elsewhere are seeking to repatriate almost 300 Dutch nationals studying in the SAR. Also last night, a reporter from Commercial Radio was apparently shot with a sponge round from behind after being pushed by police officers. Online footage shows the journalist was trying to walk away after being pushed in Mongkok. The radio station said an officer had earlier accused the journalist of participating in a riot, and when the reporter tried to read out the identification tag of the officer, he was told he was going to be arrested. The journalist then walked away only to be fired at from behind. Commercial Radio said the reporter wasn't injured, but they found a hole in his backpack afterwards and a sponge round was found nearby. Commercial Radio has condemned the officer's actions and urged the force to exercise restraint and ensure the safety of reporters. Riot police have taken away at least one box of suspected petrol bombs from the Chinese university campus this morning from the same spot where police and students were involved in violent clashes earlier in the week. Several riot police with long shields went to the area around 8 o'clock this morning, but no black-clad protesters were there after they retreated last night. Chief Superintendent Rupert Dover has, was seen leading the squad, but he barely spoke to reporters. The government has been urged to press ahead with holding the district council elections on November the 24th. The chief executive of the Hong Kong Council of Social Service, Chua Hoiwai, said he believes the election is the best chance people have to express their views. And if the government postpones or cancels them, he's worried the ongoing social unrest may escalate. He thinks Hong Kong is still safe and, and doesn't think there will be a safety issue if people want to go out and vote next Sunday. Uh, the district council election could be the nearest chance for people to voice out their views. And if we do not have the election on the 24th of this month, then I think people will be very disappointed. I also don't want people to feel that or think that the government try to do something to help the pro-establishment camp. Because well, there is a rumor of such thinking that the pro-establishment camp will lose in the district council election. 
Services on the MTR's East Rail Line are gradually returning to normal after being suspended between Hungham Station and Mongkok East this morning because the rail firm said petrol bombs had been thrown onto the tracks near Hungham Station. Separately, the MTR said University and Sengsui stations remain closed. All lanes of the Tolo Highway, a key road connecting the new territories with Kowloon, have been reopened. The highway had been blocked after protesters set up barricades and threw debris from an overhead bridge near the Chinese University campus. More than 400 people have been queuing up at the Taipo Waterfront Park Pier for the free ferry service the government's offering from there to Wukaisa. The government rolled out the free transport last night after seeing residents in Taipo stranded due to the suspension of train links and the obstruction of a major highway from there to Kowloon. Some people in the queue told RTHK the Taipo had been like an isolated island over the past few days. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. Sweden's Minister for Culture and Democracy has presented a literary prize awarded to a Hong Kong bookseller despite threats of countermeasures by China. Amanda Lindt gave the prize to Guimin Hai, who's a naturalized Swedish citizen, in his absence. The BBC's Danny Eberhardt reports. China's ambassador in Stockholm had threatened that cooperation with Sweden would be, in his words, seriously hindered if Amanda Lindt attended the ceremony. The dreadlocked minister was undeterred. She reiterated that China should release Guimin Hai. He's been in detention for much of the last four years, since going missing in Thailand in 2015, allegedly abducted by Chinese agents. President Trump has defended comments he made on Twitter about the former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine after Democrats in the U.S. Congress accused him of witness intimidation. Mr. Trump said the points he'd made about Ambassador Mary Yovanovitch as she testified on the televised impeachment hearing were not threatening. Here's this report from the Chris Buckler. On Twitter, Mr. Trump said that everywhere the career diplomat went, from Somalia to Ukraine, things turned bad. One of his posts was read to Ambassador Yovanovitch during the hearing by the Democratic chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff. And now the president in real time is attacking you. What effect do you think that has on other witnesses' willingness to come forward? Well, uh, it's very intimidating. Afterwards, the president defended his public criticism of the former ambassador. I have the right to speak. I have freedom of speech, just as other people do. Marie Yovanovitch was applauded as she left the hearing. Three judges in Indiana have been suspended and had their pay docked by the U.S. state Supreme Court after a drunken night out together ended with a punch-up and a shooting. The BBC's Richard Howells has the story. Being called to the bar in legal circles has nothing to do with alcohol. But when three Indiana judges went to a law conference in Indianapolis last May, a liquor-fueled evening resulted in two of them undergoing emergency surgery for gunshot wounds. The judges had been bar-hopping and tried to visit a strip club. It was closed, but a fight started after Judge Sabrina Bell made an offensive gesture at two men in a car park. The dispute escalated, and Judges Andrew Adams and Bradley Jacob were shot. The court said the trio were being suspended because their behaviour had gravely undermined public trust. The Duke of York, the second son of Queen Elizabeth, has told the BBC he has no memory of meeting Virginia Giuffre, the American woman who alleges she was forced to have sex with him when she was 17. But Prince Andrew said he had let the side down by remaining friends with the late American financier, Jeffrey Epstein, after he'd been convicted of paying a teenage girl for sex. The problem was the fact that once he had been convicted, you stayed with him. I stayed with him. 
that's the bit that, 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 as it were, I kick myself for on a daily basis, because it was not something that was becoming of a member of the royal family. And we try and uphold the highest standards of, and practices, and I let the side down. Sports motor racing, where all eyes this weekend are on the Macau Grand Prix. Here's RTHK's Tim Huxley. Racing got underway today at the Macau Grand Prix after two days of practice and qualifying. Early this morning, Estonian Yuri Vips took a lights to flag victory in the Formula 3 race, which decides the starting grid for Sunday's 66th Macau Grand Prix. European champion Robert Schwartzman came home in second place, just 1.1 seconds behind. There was the inevitable first lap collision at this Boa when Indonesian driver Arjun Maini tagged the barrier, taking out two other cars on the spot and badly delaying much of the field. This afternoon sees the running of the prestigious Macau Motorcycle Grand Prix. Britain's Peter Hickman, a three-time winner and eight-time victor Michael Rutter, will start from the front of the grid. In a star-studded lineup featuring the likes of 24 times Isle of Man TT winner John McGuinness. But Australian David Johnston, who starts from third, will be looking to end the British domination of the event, which stretches back to 1997. The Motorcycle Grand Prix kicks off at 3.55. From Macau, this is Tim Huxley. Football, Finland have qualified for the first major tournament finals after they beat Liechtenstein 3-0 to guarantee a place at Euro 2020. Norwich City forward Taimu Puki scored twice on an artificial surface in Helsinki, and Yasa Tuominen also netted the spark wild celebrations from the home crowd as Finland secured second place behind Group J winners Italy. To end the news, our top stories once again. Police fire three live rounds at a suspected thief in Kwaichung. Officers seize suspected Molotov cocktails from the Chinese University. And the government is urged not to postpone the district council elections. The news from RTHK. And welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Tremblay, with you till 3 p.m. This week, we have two musical themes on offer. First, our featured debut album from Montreal-based fast-changing chameleon Gigi French. And a new selection of hot new tracks from a surprising number of places on the planet. As always, Giovanetti says it so well in Italian, we're still the belly button of the world. And we start off with our first hot new track from a surprising place on the planet, in this case from Mali in Western Africa. He's an unknown legend in his own lifetime, so to speak. Mama Badema Sisoko, to give his full name with his nickname, shortened to Soul Mama, uh, is from Jumara, where he was born, a hundred or so kilometers from Bamako, the capital of Mali, uh, and he learned uh, the Ngoni from his uncle, legendary player Jelibaba Sisoko, and uh, it goes on from uncle to son in uh, the tradition. He's played with Ali Farka Touré, specifically when he started playing uh, on his album Savan in 2006, Ali Farka Touré, Basse and Mama Sisoko on the Ngoni. He's now gone solo, and uh, he's got a lot of family members with him. His daughter, Jesu Sisoko, his son, Madu, his nieces, Awa and Kadiatu Sisoko, who do the chorus lines. His nephew, Kandiafa, on the Jelly Ngoni. He's continuing the line on the Ngoni. 
drummer Makand Kamara, Manjul Suletier on organ, and uh, bass player Mohamed Sayonafi. It's off his new album called Soul Mama, and this track on the charts, Miria. Saya, saya, my niece. Balima, saya, saya, my niece. Saya, you, money, saya, you, money. Dear to me, you love. 